You're listening to a podcast by Mission Field USA, a church planting initiative of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. For more information and resources, visit lcms.org slash church planting. Hello, Mission Field USA listeners. This is Pastor Steve Shave, Director of LCMS Church Planting. Along with me, my co-host, the Reverend Dr. Mark Larson. Hello, Mark. Hello, Steve. And today's guest with us is the Senior Pastor of Living Faith Lutheran Church in Cumming, Georgia. And we welcome Pastor Tim Druggemiller to be with us again. Welcome, Pastor Druggemiller. Thank you, brother, and good to be with both of you today. So we know that you are not only the senior pastor there, but also you work with a group of other pastors um, to help start the Kairos Network, which is about church planting and also takes on a confessional Lutheran perspective. You also serve us here at the Board of National Mission for Synod, and also uh, Pastor Durga Miller serves on the Mission Advisory Council for the Florida Georgia District. So, Mark, last time we were with uh, Pastor Druggemiller, we talked about how adventurous he is for missions and how he went and did this survival <laughs> thing, you know, for uh, serving the poor. So I just happened to run into uh, Pastor Druggemiller at the Florida Georgia District. It was actually at their, their conference. So I was thinking it's in Florida. So when I run into him, he's obviously going to be out in the swamps wrestling alligators <laughs> Raising funds for the poor, but I was a little disappointed. He was just in this nice climate-controlled conference center. Yeah, uh, disappointing. Disappointment. I really think he should be uh, hunting pythons. Oh, that yeah, that would be a cool. That would adventure. be a cool Florida. That's, adventure that's 2021. Too. Oh, 2021. Yeah. Well, let us know how they taste. Yeah. And not not bad. Not just, bad. Like like, yeah. like like chicken. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, I guess we better get to the topic at hand. And it is an exciting topic. Um, We're going to be talking about discipleship. And the reason why, um, it seems like for a little while there, we were shifting away in these uh, circles um, from mission, church planning, being talked about specifically. And we're moving back towards it again, I think, because one of the more recent emails I got was actually talking about a study and it was specifically um, talking about the findings that only 7% of churches are engaged in church planting. And it had a good tagline. It was, can you imagine if 93% of adults weren't having children? You know, what a tragedy that would be for us as a society. So think about mother congregations giving birth to to daughter congregations and the importance of that in the the life of the church. But church planting um, also is one of the most effective means for making disciples. So even when you think about disciples, um, we know that church planting uh, has resulted in quite a few people that were outside of the church um, becoming part of the, the life of the church. So we understand the importance of uh, church planting as well. And for us as a synod, we just came out of convention talking about Florida there in Tampa, and the new emphasis for the next three years mm-hmm. in the triennium is making disciples for life, so we know that this is an important topic, not only uh, to make disciples, but then the for life is the ongoing uh, life of the church and a disciple maintaining. Uh, you know, um, not only are they they in the church, but that 
they have a blessed death. I mean, that's ultimately what this is right. all about. But it does seem that right. for a while, the focus of mission really was on discipleship. And the concentration was on how do we have disciples making disciples. And it seemed like for, for a while there that to some degree, the church was taking on a lesser role. I don't know how else to say that, but the church took on a lesser role. The formation of new churches was less of the goal. It was more about making disciples and then those disciples making disciples. But again, we have a huge emphasis uh, here in the LCMS for being about making disciples, and we understand the importance of church planning. So guys, the, the first thing I wanted to talk about is just what do, what do we— what do we mean when we talk about discipleship? What do we mean about making disciples? And I think the first thing that we can look to is in the scriptures, what does the Bible say about this concept of disciple? And when we look at the Greek term, it's uh, mathetes, and that's what's typically translated throughout the, the New Testament as being disciple. But what does that mean? It means to be a student, and it means to be a follower. So, uh, Pastor Druggemiller, when when you think disciple, when you think student, when you think follower, what what would you say comes to mind? Well, I, I think we have to go further than just somebody being in a classroom. We've got to think beyond just taking an online course or something along those lines, just getting some data. If you think about biblical disciple, um, primarily look at like John the Baptist it was up to the adherent, it was up to a person who wanted to be taught and wanted their life to change to choose their their mentor, the person, their rabbi they're, that they're going to follow. And that, that person, that believer, that rabbi is going to completely change their identity mm-hmm. by their words and their teaching. So mm-hmm. they're going to immerse their, themselves in that, that culture. Now, the reverse is true when Christ steps on the scene. He doesn't wait for anybody to call him. He doesn't wait for anybody to choose him. He's the one that walks up to Levi, the tax collector, and says, follow me. His words capture, captivate, and uh, bring them uh, into his kingdom. And now our identity is completely shaped, informed, um, defined, uh, even to death and resurrection by our Lord Jesus Christ and his words. So we have to think way beyond just some learning, some data, um, and uh, persuasion and influence and information and those sorts of things. Yeah, that's a great point. So, I mean, I did go to the Ohio State University, and, you know, uh, much much of my identity is as a Buckeye, and, you know... <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking about the one in Miami, no, Ohio. No, it's no, different the, oh, okay. the Ohio State University I'm Buckeyes, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, there's some fun to that, and, you know, there's the... Yep. Uh, it does make a big impact in your life, you know, that I, I am of that you know, uh, a student of this place, but you're absolutely right. This right. doesn't even compare uh, to the transformative right. power uh, of right. our identity in Christ. So that's a very good point. Uh, it's beyond just being a student in a classroom. Um, it's, it's much greater than that, and it is truly transformative, and uh, it does make us um, adherence to that and also part of the body of Christ. Mark, what do you think? Well, uh, when it comes to uh, learning and being a disciple, I you know, it's— should, to me, it should go well beyond just knowing stuff. Mm-hmm. The point is that we know God, mm. and that's the whole point of it. You know, mm. we're just not—it's just not about facts. It's yeah. about right. knowing who this God is, who loves us, and having a relationship with Him 
through what has been revealed to us in the scriptures. Yeah. So we're going to dive. Right. We're going to dive deep into that. What What is this identity that we're talking about to be to be a follower of Christ? So I think biblically, when we think make disciples, and this is kind of where right. our emphasis came from, it goes back to that what we call the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Right. And this is, as you're going, make disciples. And it says of all nations. But then I think it's key. Like, well, how does one become? You know, how do you, how do you make disciples of all the nations, all the ethnos? Right. You, it says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So we have very specific things. When we talk about disciples, when we talk about making disciples, when we talk about discipleship, um, I think we see baptism is that entry place, right? So it's it's baptism that makes disciples of all, all the nations. It's baptizing, and it's for me important to also point out this is not just it is we get baptized once— Right, but it's not just a one-time thing. Even when we look to Luther's Catechism, it talks about remembering who we are and our baptism. So it says, fourthly, what does such baptizing with water signify? It signifies that the old Adam and us should, by daily contrition and repentance, be drowned and die with all sins and evil lusts, and again, a new man daily, daily, Come forth and arise, who shall live before God in righteousness and purity forever. So we see there, as a disciple, and what that means when we talk about discipleship, that part of this in our baptism is daily contrition and repentance. And then what comes from this, with this drowning and dying of sin and evil lust, comes live before God in righteousness and purity forever. So I think that's a key component. You only have to die every day. All you have to do is die every day. Correct. This is not hard. This is not. <laughs> why do we want to? Yeah. Why do we want that old man to die, Pastor Drew? Right, right. Why? Well, that we had a we've had a lot of discussion um, uh, with with uh, good uh, good faithful family and uh, brothers in Christ uh, recently around here. That just one of our biggest problems is that uh, we just don't ever let the law do its work. Mm. Um, we just kind of stay alive, and so throughout the issue witnessing, stewardship, uh, parenting, we just want to hang on to a little bit of the old us, hmm. and that's why there's still the concern of um, our reward, our um, proving ourselves, making everybody notice us, et cetera. We just haven't um, admitted we're dead, or we just don't want to die. We we, we die pretty uh, in, in pretty difficult fashion. So baptism is this completed deal where um, the the one who uh, is baptized is buried and raised with Christ. And notice, uh, it's, it is a one-time event, but it, it has ongoing significance in Jesus with the resurrection and the life. So we cannot get anything other than what Jesus says for, for making disciples. Um, and that word is an active aorist participle. So uh, he says, having gone, or as you are going, right, therefore... Disciple, it's an active imperative, Eris. Um, it's a, there's an emphasis on continual, uh, this is what you do until Jesus comes again in glory. It's a policy command of the kingdom, if you will. So baptizing, making disciples by baptizing all nations and teaching them everything I've commanded you. Yeah. And so those are the ways to do it. Now the, 
I think the thing that gets us hung up sometimes um, is uh, what my my buddy Dr. Al Espinosa would say is flipping two very important pieces of of the of the of the way to do this. Um, I think everybody would agree in biblical Christianity that Christ Christ and what He has done is kind of top of the list. Number one, what Christ salvation we could call it Christology or Christology a study of Christ. And then the the place where we have disagreement is on um, ecclesiology and missiology. There are very good Christians who would put missiology ahead of ecclesiology. So they put mission, whatever that is, I guess, or whatever good that someone wants to do, and they put it ahead of the church. Um, with very good intention, people do this, but really those have to be reversed because uh, Christ is present within his church, and then within the context of his church, his body, it's not a metaphor, he, he actually has a body, and it's his church, then mission flows from Christ and his word and his gifts out of that, out of that church. So that's kind of one of the missing pieces we've had in our culture over the last uh, several decades, is basically we have... Uh, try to do mission apart from where Christ promises to be found in the church, and that's what's created a lot of confusion. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was getting at in the introduction, and the idea of shifting from talking about the church and the role that the church plays, and through the Word and Sacrament, obviously, and and making disciples. And and right, so I think any of us can can fall off uh, into that kind of dangerous space of, well, we, we only care about you because this is like a pyramid scheme. You know, it's about disciples making <laughs> right. disciples. So as you said, right. if you put that in the front, you know, of everything, um, the danger then becomes, I only see somebody as kind of like being meat, you know, in the, <laughs> at the meat market. You know, like, hey, we, we right. got to get this person. It's all about grabbing this person. And then once we get them in, then we need them to go out and grab 10 more people. It's like almost becomes like this. Uh, ecclesial uh, pyramid scheme, you know, and right. and that's right. not what the foci is. You know, it's about God yep. and working through His Word and sacraments. And I do do think that can be a danger. Mark, did you have something? Yeah, I, I just preached on First uh, Peter two nine. You know, the that great passage about mm. the priesthood of all believers, mm-hmm. and um, this is something I probably should have known and noticed a long time ago. <laughs> but what was fascinating is that in that entire. Uh, verse is not speaking to a person, it's speaking to the church. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you are a chosen nation, a royal priesthood, a holy people, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and that the you is plural, you know, that it's, it's, it's not about being a lone ranger, you know, mm-hmm. it's about the church right. together fulfilling the mission. Yeah. Uh, not that individuals don't have an important part to play, right. but um, right. yeah, it's speaking to us all together as a unit, and uh, which is rather right. un-American idea you know <laughs> yeah with our individualism and everyone does what they want to do and yeah they build their pyramid as you would say steve yeah you know but that Kingdom building yeah but that yeah. was uh that really like i said jumped off the page to me this time and i i don't know i never noticed it before just how striking it was yeah I mean, right on very clear emphasis that it's not a it's not talking about you as a priest it's talking about us all together as a priesthood right yeah and nation right. people all those things it's interesting how you can right. fall to Either off either side of the horse. I mean, because then you can fall right. off the yeah. other side of the horse. It says, "I really don't have a daily vocation." You know, as I hear and 
Luther's catechism about this new life that I live in righteousness and purity forever. And that does include, you know, my, my daily witness and uh, in my vocations, how I am a mask of God. So we, we don't certainly don't want to fall off either side of that horse where that's, all the emphasis on right. the only reason I care about you is because I want you to go and more bring in more people. And we don't want to also right. say, you know, but don't worry about it. You know, uh, you, you don't have to live out your vocations as a, a mask of God and be a witness and show mercy either. So there's either side right. of the coin there. That's a danger, I think. Right. Two ditches. Right. <laughs> Two ditches. Two yeah, sides of the... As, as, all, as always, I mean, there's the... Uh, the Roman ditch, and then there's the uh, enthusiastic uh, or enthusiasm right. ditch. Uh, Sasa says, "Hey, enjoy the lonely way down the razor's edge." <laughs> yeah. um, but there's this. Uh, I think the in Rome has the too much we type, right? There's too much community without the um, the individual member of the body of Christ, and then I guess this uh, you could say this bastardized. Protestantism or what it's become in our country is way too much I and uh, performance driven and uh, individualistic and there's no corporate um, life and uh, so it's a it's a both and you know look at the third article of the creed right Uh, when Luther explains that he says I cannot I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord will come to them but the Holy Ghost has called me by the gospel and then Luther makes this great switch to um, you get you get to be brought into this this communion this we life mm-hmm. so God calls you as this individual in baptism but then he brings you in, into the body where together you know um, you are part of that body mm-hmm. and um, there's really a lot of uh, teaching and preaching angles on this in terms of the body of Christ. I mean, mm-hmm. we could really go roughshod on our culture, yeah. um, you know, because every, there's no reason for um, insignificance um, in, in any way because Christ has called you to a brand new life. You don't think your toenail is important until you, you know, drop a bowling <laughs> ball on it and then you really wish you had one. So every member of the body, it, it, it they count. And, yeah. uh, I mean, nobody's going to change your kids' diapers except you. Enjoy it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you got a role to play. Right. So that that's a good way to see us as disciples. We we are individual. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're the hands and feet and thumbs and pinkies and and all the rest. But that yeah. still, yeah. that you are a member of the body. And we'll we'll talk about that more as we get into the the teaching and observing and assimilating into the life of the church. But I do think that's an important part of when we're discussing baptism, what that means is that you you are being baptized as a member um, of the bo- overall body. And we'll talk more about what that means to be to be the body. Um, one other point uh, when it comes to, to baptism, just following up on uh, the catechism where it says, where is it written about baptism? It says, St. Paul says, Romans chapter 6, we are buried with Christ by baptism into death. Like as he was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. And so when we talk about what is it to be a disciple, it also uh, includes this walking in newness of life. So the old life, we we ask for that old Adam. And as you pointed out, Pastor Drugger Miller, that as Luther said, that sucker can swim. Uh, we ask yeah. God to to drown <laughs> uh, and and die that Adam in us and that. But every day right. to be a disciple means that we will be walking in this newness of life in, in Christ. Right, right. 
Yeah, that, uh, and I guess that twofold um, approach that Jesus gives us in, in order uh, in this making disciples thing, it informs how we go about this process of teaching those outside the church and our those within the church. You want want to say the word catechesis mm-hmm. or um, this this life of faith where Christ is forming us Himself through His words, and this is a continual outpouring that uh, we get to, you know, we get to sit under Niagara Falls in the middle of a burning hot desert. I mean, that's our the rest of our life in our baptism. Right. Um, so why would we not, right? Right. Well, that's a good segue. <clears throat> we're gonna we're gonna look at teaching and and catechesis because. That's the next thing, and it says baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So teaching, um, and teach them to observe what all that I have commanded. Must learn, um, you know, what's commanded. Learn what it means to observe what's commanded. Um, when we look at the scripture again, when we look at the original language, it's the terrine, the observe, and it has right. you know a direct connection to laws. So we're talking about observing laws right. here. Um, and when you look at the definition, it means to keep, um, to obey, and not only that, but to keep under guard. I mean, when you look at the Psalms, and it talks about these commands, you know, it talks about. This is the beginning of wisdom. These are the things that we want to guard and protect. You know, we we carry right. them with us and we protect these things. And I don't know, that, again, if you're talking about just from a cultural perspective, I don't know how good we're doing in terms of guarding these things um, <laughs> these days. We certainly, as Christians, need to continue uh, to guard, yeah. to keep guard over right. these, these commands. Um, but tell us a little bit about what it means to you when you— Talk about um, people observing and learning what's commanded by God, Pastor Drogamiller. Uh, I, I think we would all agree scripturally when um, when God's word goes down, it it works on contact. For instance, when a, an eight day old baby is baptized. The Word of God and the Holy Spirit get the job done on contact, instantaneously, right there on a dime. However, we need constant feeding and growing, and there's going to be a constant uh, battle for the baptized or for the adults that are training to be baptized. What we see um, in like Matthew 3 and 4, Jesus is uh, baptized not because he needed it, but because we needed it. He took on our uh, our sin and identified with sinners, but he was anointed by the Holy Spirit with power uh, for his public ministry and ultimately suffered and died for us. But as soon as the Father says, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased, well, in Matthew 4, we see the devil just come after him. Um, the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the desert to do battle with the devil. So the newly baptized are going to have a battle on their hands. They're being joined to the Christ, the eternal champion. And so devil, world, and flesh, they're signaling public enemy number one down down in uh, hell's quarters. So they put up the wanted posters. So we've got to prepare people for this this life. It takes vigilance. Uh, it, it does take constant devotion to uh, uh, God's word. The enemy is very crafty, and so we would promote 
a, an extended period of time for the training of our new Christians um, uh, in our culture, more like a first century or second century type model, because we still have pluralism, just like they did. We have pantheism, just like they did. We have a whole lot of uh, sexual immorality, just like they did. Um, a whole lot of murder, just like they did. So their their context, like ours, and and sometimes we're still acting like you know we can give them a tour of the campus in three weeks and they're going to be ready to go. <laughs> So I would say time. They need formation, not mm-hmm. just information, mm-hmm. but time in the scriptures where mm-hmm. somebody who, uh, a pastor or people that have been doing this and have been trained to do this, pour the scriptures into people and just continue to form them for an extended period of time. So that that would be my, um, I guess, just the, the first thing I'd say on it. Yeah, but, yeah I, I think— also, um, I mean, there's been all sorts of discussion lately about the the role of sanctification and and the the uses of the law, and I I don't think anybody disagrees about when it comes to the simo about the hundred percent sinner and need to repent, and and the law is the mirror that shows us our sins and condemns us. But I do think that there is something in here when it talks about baptism specifically for us when it says live before God in righteousness and purity forever, which isn't just some fatalistic yeah. view of, you know, I'm just a rotten right. 100% sinner, so why right. why even bother yeah. uh, thinking about observing God's right. laws? I mean, right. I, I yeah, think no. it's specifically speaking to us about we are to teach to observe, not just to look at them and to say, oh, the, oh right. those were God's laws. These are the standards of, of purity and righteousness, but that when right. we when we are drowned and die, that as this new creation in Christ, we would live before God in righteousness and purity. Not not that it's anything of our own that we can do, but we do have right. an other 100% symbol, which is 100% saint, and that is to be one of God's right. chosen ones. We're, we are set apart from the world, it says. Thoughts on that? Right. Man, that's great. I, I'm I'm hogging the air, so uh, let Mark get in there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're Mark. Our, you're our special guest. You're up to bat. Oh, sure. Well, I'm, um, I'm, I'm always would... a pork chop. Uh, I'm after a pork chop like a, a hungry bulldog, so you just take one. <laughs> take one. Um, I... You know, I'm what I'm always struck by is, uh, you know, when we're called to be holy people, mm. you know, and that's keeping the commandments and all that. So, you know, I think a lot of times we might be satisfied if we're just nice. Yeah. But that's not what God's calling us oh, to, to be right. a whole lot more than nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's <laughs> calling us to be different, sort of part, to be holy people. Ah, um, nice, you know, nice. which is, which is, we can never attain it, of course, but nonetheless, it right. is what God is calling us to do. Right. And, you know, the other thing I might add is, you know, when we when I teach about uh, the nature of Scripture, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think the inclination in our Missouri Synod is to teach the the inerrancy and the, 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 the veracity, the truth of every the verbal inspiration mm-hmm. of Scripture, which is really, really important. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, it's easy to forget that the Scripture also has authority. And what it says yeah. is mm-hmm. it, we are required to obey. This It's just not a nice book. <laughs> you know, right. uh, this is God. He's speaking. And when he gives commands, right. you know, it's uh, what, what he says there is true. Right. And we don't have options to keep it or not. You yeah. know, it's 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 what God right. has right uh, revealed. And, and and it's mostly gracious. I think we should never forget that. But right. um, 
but we but it's not uh, nothing's optional. And those are the two ditches. I mean, yeah. and again, this is just right. about the you fall into the the legalism, the being the Pharisee, the holier than thou, you know, uh, adhering to this life of perfection and show and surface level. You just level. talking about my uh, morning. You just talking about my morning. <laughs> Knock it off, man. Knock it off. <laughs> Quit being a Pharisee. But uh, but then on the other on the other ditch, uh, it's it's to fall into this trap that you know i'm gonna sin anyways so i have this license to sin uh right. you know and and you don't you don't want to fall into either ditch and obviously right. that's what the law does it either right. is gonna it, it can either push you into right. the ditch of of pride uh or it can put right. you into that ditch of despair and so uh, when we when it's important though i think if we're going to talk about making disciples where, where it says teach them to observe all that i have commanded you it's important for us to understand what that means for the disciple and and it really needs to be uh clear to them that these are the two ditches that we need to stay clear of and what does that mean for us to be both 100 percent sinner and also 100 percent saint mm-hmm. amen I, and i'll i'll jump in that we have to open up our eyes and open our ears to what's going on around us with people that have never even had a solitary uh, human being that has loved them as christ mm-hmm. loved us mm-hmm um, if if a young lady who's 20 comes into our place and that, I mean, she has been extremely wounded and hurt mm-hmm. and she knows nothing about God or the Bible, how how much time do you think it's going to take for her to start understanding that God does indeed love her, that uh, he sent his son and that very son, true God, true man, has fulfilled the scriptures and that she is righteous as Christ is righteous, wow. that um, she is everything that Christ gives her. That, and prepare her for baptism, right? Yeah. And uh, bring her to the waters where she will get a new identity and a new life. And now, maybe Lord willing, someday she's going to be a wife. Someday she's going to be a, a mother. And we have to give people a pattern of life as they're as they're going into their calling and in their vocation. And I think a lot of times um, we we don't give them that direction. Yeah about how do you do this? Yeah. And I, um, this is where that, uh, that point you, you guys are making, to observe or to keep these beautiful words and mm. learn how to kind of practice them in the house, um, whether it's a, a devotion in the morning or uh, a parent um, reading the Bible with their kids, mm. uh, singing some hymns. These are the sorts of, uh, uh, of patterns oh. of life that uh, we pray that um, it's also formed in people, you know? Amen. And no doubt, as you're talking about, I'm thinking about kind of the inner city setting and you have somebody that, yeah. you know, uh, just right. Their conscience is just so torn and, and how that just seems too good to be true. When you talk about being made clean, made right. holy, spotless, blameless, um, you know, that, that is a very, very good point. I think you knocked that one out of the park, but th- that's what it means. You, you as a follower and disciple of Christ, um, are, are in Him. You are robed in His righteousness. You, you have been made clean. You are made holy. That's an excellent point about making disciples. So, let's jump into the next thought then, in terms of catechesis. So that ongoing mm-hmm. discipling, that ongoing, you know, making disciples for life, I think a lot of that is focused around ongoing catechesis. And so I think it's important right. to to note, you know, Luther speaks of his catechisms as being instruction books, and they are mm-hmm. uh, to be taught to the, to the family. Um, so 
again, it seems pretty obvious. If being a disciple means to be a student, then it makes sense that the deeper the learning, the better um, in terms of, right. of being a student. Um, so what, what would you say about that, the importance of ongoing catechesis, the importance of family devotion, Pastor Drugemiller? Uh, just uh, non-negotiable. I would. Um, I find myself quoting the outlaw Josie Wales a lot. Get busy living or get busy dying. Um, we we I love just, this guy. <laughs> we we just need God's word. Are, are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, look at me. Look at you. <laughs> you know. Um, so um, we get to we get to live um, with lights on now. Now we actually see. Mm-hmm. So we should be like starving men after the last ham bone on earth. Mm. And um, every time we gather, God pours down so much gospel upon us. I mean, we get to go to his altar, and no matter how soiled within, we, we see ourselves and we know we are. Christ puts into our very uh, dirty mouths and our dirty souls his very body and blood, which purifies us from the inside out. So um, forming a life that loves Jesus gifts and hungers for them. And um, there's a lot of ways to do this. I'll, I'll share how we do it. Um, we, we wrap our, our life around a liturgical calendar. And um, in the season of Trinity Tide or Pentecost, so the day of Pentecost is when we start a new adult catechumenate for our, uh, people that we've been working with or um, that we start to work with. And we go through one year uh, lectionary readings, and we have, for that time period, we have a catechist, and our particular guy's a guy by the name of Dr. Don Langenbeck, and he's not a, a doctor of theology. He's like St. Luke who wrote the, the gospel. He's a spinal doctor, hmm. but he gets the job done. Mm-hmm. And so he's a, he's a, a precision cutter with the scalpel of the word, <laughs> and he has been trained just to do this thing. And I wish I could show you the, the board of all his little uh, diagrams that he's got in the adult catechumenate room, you know, St. Saint, Saint Augustine's view on conversion, all these things, it's just superb. He's just in his element, and for for uh, the, that whole period, he is simply letting the scriptures speak for themselves in a room full of people that um, don't know or, or want to know um, and are looking to learn. By the time he's done, basically he alley-oops the ball to me in epiphany, and I start teaching the catechism, and all I have to do is slam dunk because hmm. they've been in the scriptures for two thirds of a year. Hmm. So I begin the second phase of of this adult catechumenate, which we call separation, and it's basically like let's come away from the world and let's learn from our Lord Jesus Christ, who's gentle and lowly of heart. Take some time, um, stop all the busyness and the craziness for a minute, and listen to our Lord, what he has to say about the most important things in life. So that's when we do our Ten Commandments, Apostles' Creed, Lord's Prayer, Baptism, Confession, and uh, Sacrament of the Altar. So then I take over with, you know, that teaching of the Catechism and that separation, and then anybody that wants to go further, and we we just keep teaching if people don't want to go further. We just say, all right, um, no sweat. Go to, uh, you know, our our adult Bible study or... um, for those who are ready to be confirmed or baptized, then we go to this period of transition in Lent, and that's when we're training them for, for baptism. So this is 
where we're actually teaching them how to study the Bible, teaching them about what church is and, and church fellowship, uh, actually explaining what happens in the divine service, going through that, talking about stewardship and freedom in the gospel, and teaching them to pray, whether it's daily prayers or um, you know prayers with their family, etc. And then um, those who are that continue their baptized or confirmed at the, the Easter vigil. And one of the great things about that is think about not being baptized, but being ready for this gift and studying for it. Going to Palm Sunday on Sunday morning, then going to Holy Thursday, where you see people receiving the, those gifts, um, getting that word of individual absolution, going to Good Friday, considering what Christ has done, it is finished. He has done it. And then getting baptized in that time period between Good Friday and Easter Sunday, being buried and raised with Christ in baptism on that very um, weekend when we acknowledge what God has done for us in Christ. So it is a very fulfilling um, time period. And then we continue to teach them um, in this period of incorporation where we're – this is where in the season of Easter – um, we're talking about baptismal identity, table of duties, using your gifts, the rhythm of the Christian life, confession and forgiveness. And then we actually take people off-site to either a, a rehabilitation center or a nursing home. One one year we went to um, a, a couple people I knew, their house had just burned down, and we give them a uh, an opportunity to just live in the mercy of Christ hmm. but help them to kind of apply what the Lord gives them. And uh, and so then the whole thing flips over with a new adult catechumenate. But we always emphasize that um, you don't get to walk off the job. You don't get to quit. Um, this is a lifelong catechesis, mm-hmm. um, and there's just no other way to go. Um, and so um, that's our pattern. It takes a year. Okay. Yeah, so that's, yeah. that's a good, a lot to good take description of, of discipleship. And I think— it's important too, as you said. You know, as a, a follower of Christ, it does mean that we we follow Him and observing these things, where we do love God, we love our neighbor, we are about making disciples. And the word you used in that was also incorporating, and that's kind of leading us into the next topic, and that is assimilating people into the life of the church. So these new new disciples then get in, assimilated into the corporate body. Um, that is the church, and that means that there will be, as you just described, this ongoing catechesis. There'll be, you know, daily family devotion involved. There's also, as you said, too, this life together in community. So you're you're at the potlucks, you're at the different events, you're you're bonding this life together as a, as a community. You, you mentioned too, what does that look like as well? It's being engaged in this witness and mercy. Um, corporately, individually, um, being brought into this life, this new life that we're describing. Right. And I think um, it's kind of interesting. I just actually had this as the text to preach on uh, here in the chapel at the International Center, and it was where Christ talks about the the new command um, that yeah. He gives. And it wasn't it wasn't new in that we were not to love our our neighbor, but um, Jesus says. Love one another as I have loved you. And I think that's why wow. it's a new command. Wow. It's because he's saying, love one another as I have loved you. And he, when does he say this? He has just 
given them mm-hmm. the, the bread and the wine. He's about to be tried, tortured, yeah. crucified. Yeah. And just yeah. before that, these are the words that he leaves to us at the table. Love yeah. one another as I have loved you. And that's a, a tall order. Um, but it's, I think it's essential as a, as a follower, as a student, as an observer, that we will love as Christ has loved us, that we would pour ourselves out for one another as he has poured himself out for us, that we would, uh, you know, thinking in terms of the table there, to be in communion, to be so united in Christ with each other. So as we talked about the member of the body, what that means is that when one member of the body hurts, we all hurt. When, when right. one has joy, we all share in this joy together. But um, again, assimilating people into the life of the church, I always was, you know, fascinated um, how you could do it in church planning. It was so, so kind of easy to assimilate people in. So if, I'll just give you a, a goofy example. Right. We set up every Sunday at uh, Matt Arthur Elementary School, and we got to put the chairs out. Somebody's a visitor, and, you know, they just assume, like, this is kind of like a country club, and everybody's, you know, uh, <laughs> off on their own. And, and I'd walk right up to the person, and I'd say, hey, would you be willing to help us put chairs away? And they were, like, so excited, like, they could immediately become part of this, right? And then I'd say, and we got this family fun night on Friday. Your family is welcome to come join us. And by the way, we're going to this trailer park and we're going to help fix up um, these uh, dilapidated trailers for people that just can't afford to do it. And it's all these kind of extra things. It's bringing them into this, but it's not the same. This this loving one another as Christ has loved us goes so much right. deeper. Uh, right. That communion and to be united, I mean, that's that's really what it is to be assimilated. What do you think about that? Oh, that's great. Uh, Mark, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's kind of, a, you know, establishing your identity with this group and, mm-hmm. and who you are. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, in, in my family, there's this really striking example for my, my son's confirmation. My brother gave my son our dad's confirmation Bible, and that was, uh, and, yeah. and and with that, he sent, he sent this beautiful note, you know, saying, oh, this is who we are, and this mm-hmm. is how we live, and this is how wow. you know, we love one wow. another. Yeah. And, you know, my brother just hit this home run on that because <laughs> it was, was really, really moving because, yeah. you know, by this time my dad was, you know— uh, uh, very advanced in years, and by now he's he's gone to heaven. But yeah. um, you know, it was just yeah. This telling my son, you yeah. know, this is how God's working with you and on you, and um, and this <laughs> is your your heritage and who you are, and this is who wow. you are. Yeah. And so it was, uh, yeah. It was, wow. it was this really really cool gift, yeah. you know, about how you you keep on, you know. Uh, well, we don't have all have our our father's confirmation Bibles to give away, but you're just an example of how we can um, express who we are by the power of Christ. Well, that, that event right there, think about the two sets of hands. You've got the one set of hands that is holding those scriptures and then now passing down that word to another set of hands, a new set of hands. And those hands can look like all sorts of different hands. I mean, 
those are old trades and they're missing a finger, or those hands can come in all sorts of colors. Those hands could be bloody. Those hands could be refined. But you've got this passing down of the faith, like Paul talks about in the parodicist, which is the handed-down thing. Um, and it is so valuable and precious. And um, you just think about that beautiful interchange. Um, it's great when you get to do that in your own family. Um to your, uh, you know, to your son, to your grandson, but we also get to do that same thing with, um, with the people that are all around us in all sorts of conditions, and they're so beat up, and they're so um, hurt, and they know they're not perfect, and the world tells them they've got to be, and we get to share the gospel of Christ and hand down these things. So I, I almost think that when you spend that time with them, you know, at the, at the end of a year, we kind of know people. And it's not like we are trying to figure out what their gifts are, or where we need to plug them in. They're already kind of, you know, um, we kind of get them. You know, you're 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 building people. Um, they're they're getting rebuilt by Christ. And so, um, I would suggest there's some there's some helpful ways to do it. Um, like, it is good to have perhaps um, in a parish an, an organized way of doing this, an adult catechumen or something like that, or um, that adult confirmation process. But one one of the things that we were helped with recently is uh, our, our uh, adult catechumenate director is Annie DeLuca. And so sometimes when we're, uh, you've got teachers or pastors that are involved, we're not always able to um, make people feel welcome because we're already dealing with someone else. And so um, the more attention we can kind of bring to this and help people receive that teaching with those hands, um, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. Amen. So. Mm-hmm. And then one, one kind of final thought on this. So we're talking about making disciples of all nations. We're talking about baptizing. We're talking about teaching. But going back to disciple and what that means to be a follower of Christ, and that means to live his life of mercy and witness and love but uh you know as people are brought into communion with us and we we're making disciples and they come before the congregation and confess before God we typically have language that says I will die before I will give up this confession of faith that has been passed right. passed down to me right. and what that means to be a follower of Christ is that this is not some alien foreign, odd thing that when we follow Christ, when we vow to die before giving up this confession, you know that if I am going to follow Christ, that is going to lead to suffering. It is going to lead to persecution. It is going to lead me to the cross and to death. And so when we think about sowing the seed and we think about how the worldly cares and the things that will choke it out— it's not as though I'm I'm being made a disciple and now Satan is going to say, well, that is great. You have transformed your life. You are a new <laughs> creation in Christ. Have a wonderful life. So many times for, yeah. for new believers, yeah. it is the exact opposite. They almost feel like they are being punished for being made a disciple. And in many Correct. cases around the world, they will be. They will Correct. be. They will be physically tortured for being a disciple of Jesus Christ. But I think it is important for us to point out that what this means and that tentatio is that this this is nothing alien to us. We understand that if we are to follow Christ, that means that 
the suffering will come. The cross will be there. There will be ultimately even the tomb. But, but, hold tight. (laughs) Because (laughs) after the darkness comes the dawn, right? right? After the Good Friday comes the Easter Sunday. It means that ultimately when I follow Christ, no matter what this world throws at me, no matter what the devil throws at me, ultimately it will lead me outside of this empty tomb. It will lead me back into the garden. That is the ultimate uh, destination in terms of when I am a follower of Jesus. And I think it's important for us when we talk about discipleship, when we talk about making disciples— to, to fully embrace what that means to be a follower of right. Jesus and to, and to right. understand when trials come our way, when the devil does everything he can to thwart us, um, to think of Jesus on the cross. I mean, all that he could see with his eyes right. was this right. dark despair and death and torture and suffering, and yet into the darkness he calls out to his father, right? He, he still uh, knows that his father is there and that as followers of Jesus— right. It's not going to be easy. When we talk about discipleship, I think it's important for us to be very clear with making new disciples of of what the life under the the cross looks like, but ultimately where it leads. Thoughts on that, Pastor? I'm telling. Well, I'll just I'll say this. Thank you for writing my my sermon for Sunday. That was was good. (laughs) I tried. That's it, man. I I we have so many. People, they find out that it's hard. Yeah. They've been lied to, and they 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 go back from their original confession. And uh, we we kind of do address those in that adult catechumenate process. We say um, this is not going to be easier. This probably won't make you nicer, and uh, this will definitely not necessarily make you more happy. Mm-hmm. You're just going to have the truth, and the truth's going to set you free. You're just going to rise from the dead with Christ, mm-hmm. and. Uh, <laughs> So you'll be like Lazarus bouncing out of a tomb trying to get a face cloth off you. You might be a little annoyed for a while, but um, – and, you know, don't worry. Everybody's going to try to kill you after you come out of the tomb. <laughs> but you already know the victory. Like you said, um, you know how this thing ends when, when he gets up your body on the final day. And um, nobody's going to be gloating over you on that day. I will say the, that baptism, we have to teach that it is the point of no return. Um, th- this is – you, you just the the breach between God and a sinner is completed there. Um, it, it will ultimately, uh, by virtue of that same uh, dying and rising work in baptism, uh, you know, we will also share um, in His resurrection on the final final day. But we've oh, no. got to prepare people for the rapids on the river. You don't want to get down there in mile three, but oh my goodness, the guy lied to me. He lied to me. Where's Pastor Shea at? That's not what you promised me. It was all going to be rainbows and fun. (laughs) Right on. So, and and keep in mind, too, um, new believers, right? So you you get somebody um, that's lived a life outside of the church, you bring them in. You know, part of this discipleship is us as the corporate body. We deal with one another's stumbling. We deal with one another's weakness. We bear their sins in our own flesh because that's what it means to love as Christ has loved us. But ultimately, too, what Jesus says when he talks about this new command and and loving one another is that they will know us, you know. 
The world yeah. will see yeah. that people from all walks of life, people from all different backgrounds, people that don't have the same political viewpoints and everything else, um, the world will recognize that the Prince of Peace is reigning over his kingdom because they will see what the right. Prince of Peace does and that he unites us together and that we love one another, we bear one another's burdens and forgive one another's sins. And I think that's also for us as Christians, when we think about making disciples and discipleship, is that Jesus says they will know us by our love and that we are to love one another. And that is that point. Um, When you're forming the disciples, um, however you're doing that, there's going to come a point where they're going to quit. They're going to walk off for a little bit. And that's your opportunity to go to where they are and show them what this means. Um, to love as Christ has loved, and to forgive, and to restore. And those are very important teachable moments, um, because those are the patterns that are going to uh, remain for them for the rest of their life. So um, this this is uh, this is great stuff. Uh, <laughs> you know, we, we got to get out there and uh, enjoy it. Yeah, man. So, I mean, that's 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 what he says. <laughs> get out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Make disciples of all, all nations, baptize, teach. Uh, as as he has commanded, and again, remembering that, that new command, and that is to love one another as Christ has loved each and every one of us, uh, poor miserable sinners that we are, um, that he bestows us with his righteousness and goodness, and that he gives us yep. this new life in him. So thank you, everybody, uh, for listening in. Thank you, Mark, again, for my pleasure being here with us. And again, thank you. You knocked it out of the park again, Pastor Drogan Miller. Really appreciate your uh, being with us. I'm learning. <laughs> hey, uh, it is a joy. Brothers, thank you. Yeah. The Lord be with you and uh, everything that you guys are doing up there in St. Louis and also around the world as God sends you out there to, to be a blessing. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a great honor to be with you today. Right on. So Thank there you. you have it, Mission Field USA listeners. Let's get out there and let's start plowing the fields and let's start sowing the seed. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening to the Mission Field USA podcast for church planting. Visit lcms.org slash church planting for other resources and information to share your ideas and to contact us. The Mission Field USA podcast is a production of the Office of National Mission of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod in partnership with KFUO Radio. The Lord be with you.